Welcome back, my fellow assassins, to another episode of the Dark Assassins Podcast, the show that dives deep into not just technology, but the concepts, software, and procedures behind it all, and explains it so simply that even your grandma can understand it. As always, I'm your host, the Dark Assassin. So before we get into today's video, I need to talk about an experience that I had this week. So I'm pretty sure all of you and pretty much everyone in the world that has ever uh, dealt with technology or software or anything of the sort in their life has had two feelings at one time or another. The first feeling is this technology stuff is stupid. I hate it. It doesn't work. It's dumb and it needs to go away, and I'm about to throw my computer out the window. And the other one that people have is, oh my gosh, technology is so great. It makes my life so much easier. It's so nice. It's amazing. And I had about both of those experiences within, I would say, about 10 minutes. Although the former of which was uh, existing for about a day. Um, so basically what I was trying to do was I was trying to improve my, uh, cloud infrastructure, uh, which we'll get into cloud later in the episode. Um, so if you don't know what that means, stay tuned. Uh, but I was trying to improve my cloud infrastructure as a part of my overall, you know, home networking solution. Now, and home lab solution. Now, obviously, it's not technically in my home lab because my home lab is at my house um, and the cloud is in the cloud. Um, but with that being said, I am able to, I'm also able to manage it, you know, from my house and act it act like it's, you know, just another server running in my rack or another virtual machine running on my hypervisor or something like that. But but anyway, what I was trying to do was set up a virtual machine in the cloud that will allow me to have a VPN I can access that runs Pi-hole. So if I ever want to have some DNA, uh, some ad blocking um, that isn't my house, for example, if I was a uh, sailing the high seas and didn't feel like using a proxy, for example, I would have options. Um, but I also, what I also wanted to do was create my own search engine. Um, so there's this uh, open source meta search engine called CRXNG. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Um, but basically what it does is it pulls... Um, queries and results from all the major search engines. So it pulls from Bing, Google, DuckDuckGo, Yahoo, you know, all the big search engines. And you can customize this to be, you know, say you only want um, Bing because you are a masochist or something, I don't know. Or maybe you want uh, Google because you think Google gets the best results. Or maybe you want DuckDuckGo or, you know, whatever. You can customize it how you like. So the, the cool thing about this is it's very privacy-oriented because it's all your queries are coming from this one IP address, and every time you send a search query to uh, this 
search engine. It queries all of the search engines that you have set with a different profile. So if you're not familiar, when you are on your computer and you're searching on Google, for example, you have a profile that Google has on you that they know a bunch of stuff about you. They know all about your search history. They know that you searched for uh, Marvel and they know you searched for coffee recently and now you're getting ads for Marvel coffee mugs. Just as an example. But what this does is every time you send a search, it creates a brand new profile unrelated to your search and sends it off to these to these search engines. So these search engines have no idea, you know, who you are or anything like that. They have the IP address, but it's a completely different profile. So this was part of the reason why I wanted to put it in the cloud. Because obviously, if I'm using my own IP address, I lose that functionality of not having my IP address being the one that's um, being sent. So that's why I wanted to put it in the cloud. But I was having a real heck of a time getting all this stuff set up. <laughs> I would get Pi-hole and the VPN set up, and it would be working great. And I'd try to install the search engine, and it would brick the whole thing. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with what bricking a machine means uh, when it comes to technology, it basically means that it, you make it unusable. Um, called bricking it because you basically turned it into a paperweight uh which is basically what i did except it's in the cloud so i guess it wouldn't be a paperweight um it would just be i i don't know send me an email at uh contact at darkassassinsinc.com if you know uh know what that would be considered but anyway um yeah i had to like completely wipe that vm at least probably six or seven times if not more it was it was a grind <laughs> um so uh, the other problem was was i was trying to use uh docker so if you're unfamiliar with do what docker is it's basically a way to um, create and deploy containers and containers are essentially think of it as bundled software with all the components of an operating system it needs and nothing more. So it's pretty much a super stripped down bare bones version of an operating system in a sense. That's not exactly what it is. Um, and it runs off the system's kernel. So for example, when you run a virtual machine, you have a complete operating system there. But when you run a Docker container, for example, you don't have a complete operating system. The container has all the components it needs and it shares the kernel level from the operating system it's running on. So if you're using Windows, it's sharing the kernel that Windows uses for all of its operating system related tasks. Uh, the Docker container shares that. Whereas the VM, it has its own and it's all you know, its own separate thing where Docker actually shares. But that's not to say that the Docker container like is super interfaced with the kernel in the, in the sense that everything inside the Docker container is contained inside of that container, hence the name container. But that can be a whole separate episode um, if you're interested in learning about Docker, which actually I might want to make an episode on that, um, note to self, uh, but I would have to become a lot more familiar with Docker because it's one of those technologies that I think is really cool and I want to learn more about it 
but at the same time, <laughs> I really don't have a use case for it, and my current job doesn't really entail me to use it, which is kind of a bummer because, again, I want to use it. Um, and I've tried to figure out like certain projects that I could do um, utilizing Docker, which coincidentally, this project did use Docker, um, but basically just deployed it, so I really didn't actually do much work with it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so getting back on track. So I was deploying this with Docker, and basically what would happen is my DNS settings, which is how my system can communicate to um, websites and actually know where they are on the internet, uh, it was getting all funky and messing everything up. As Like, it would be fine if I didn't have Docker, but then when I did, it would mess it up. So that took a while for me to figure out. But once I figured it out, I managed to have PyHole running in a Docker container, and I had the search engine, uh, all that stuff running in a container, and then the VPN running just on the VM. And then uh, with some configuration, I managed to get it all working, and... I was a very happy, happy, happy man at that point. Um, but up until that point, when I kept having to completely uh, nuke my installs and redo them, uh, I, I was at that point where I was ready to throw my computer out the window. Except I guess that wouldn't solve anything because the computer that I was mad at wasn't even in my house or anywhere near me. It was in the cloud. Um, so I don't know how I would have nuked it or thrown it out the window, but I wanted to. <laughs> but then, of course, after I got it all working, I was like, man, this is great. This is awesome. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure all of you have similar experiences that you can relate to, uh, whether it's your router not working or your printer not working, which, oh, man, I know we all have stories about the printer not working because let's be real. When does a printer ever actually work when you want it to? I can't really think of a time where, like, I've tried to print something or needed to use a printer and haven't had, like, at least some kind of minor hiccup. Like, sure, sometimes it works mostly fine, but there's always that time where, like, it hasn't been used in a while, so, like, it has to, like, wake up or something. And I don't know. Printers are annoying. I don't know if anyone really likes dealing with printers. Um, heck, maybe we just have to go back to the days where you had to actually plug a cable in from the printer to your computer to actually get it to work. Um, and if you don't remember those days, well, geez, you're young. Um, but now let's actually get into the episode. So we're talking about cloud and my me making a cloud instance. So cloud cloud computing and hybrid cloud and all these things with cloud have basically just become buzzwords in the industry. Um, so if you're not, or you're not familiar with what they mean, let's dive into what they mean. So what is cloud computing? So the idea of cloud computing is essentially that you have on-demand availability of computer resources at your disposal. So think of this as your AWS, your Amazon Web Services, your Microsoft Azure, your Google Cloud Platform, Linode, uh, DigitalOcean. You know, there's a bunch of uh, cloud 
um, providers out there that allow you to sign up and then for a monthly fee, depending on um, what kind of configurations you want, how much compute power or how much database, um, how much storage you want, you know, depending on what you want, you know, you get charged a certain rate. So this is super nice. If you have no infrastructure, you don't have the capital to build a data center, because let's be real, who really has the capital to build a data center unless you probably already have a data center? Um, so it is a very compelling option, and it's real, It's super scalable. It's pay-as-you-go. So, you know, there's a lot of options there for, uh, you know, small to medium-sized businesses that want to, um, you know, have some, you know, servers or cloud resources, but don't necessarily have the money on hand to shell out thousands or tens of thousands or sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars on a server or multiple servers to run their business. So cloud computing is definitely a good option. And it has, this is kind of where the uh, idea of um, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service, all that good stuff comes in. And then we get into the idea of hybrid cloud. Now, what is hybrid cloud? Well, hybrid cloud is basically cloud, but you also have some on-prem or on-premises um, cloud environments, if you will, too. So think of it this way as my current solution. So I have a data center in my house, as my friends and family like to say, um, which comprises of you know a few servers that run um, hypervisors and virtual machines and you know various different services that I run inside my house on premises, meaning in my house. But I also have a um, instance in the cloud where I, like I mentioned, run a uh, VPN, Pi-hole, and search engine. So that would be a hybrid cloud solution where I have services on both in both the cloud and on-premises. So you might be wondering, what is the better solution? Is the better solution all on-premises? Is the better solution all in the cloud? Is it a combination of the two? Um, and that really depends on your use case, but it seems, as far as the industry is concerned, it's going more towards solely cloud um, and hybrid cloud. The days of you owning and running and maintaining your own data centers is pretty much going the ways of the dinosaurs, unless you're pretty much unless you're one of the cloud providers. Um, even most of the big companies like even most of the big companies out there that have their own data centers, I mean, I'm pretty sure some of them are still even using, you know, some cloud providers like AWS. Um, and then there are other companies, you know, like Netflix that I'm pretty sure solely uses uh, AWS. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, the industry as a whole is moving towards cloud computing, um, which definitely has its advantages, um, but it also has some disadvantages too. Um, so if you think, the, the one issue is you don't, which I guess could also be a pro depending on how you look at it, is you don't actually own the stuff, right? 
you're basically paying to borrow someone else's stuff and run your stuff on their stuff. So you never really own anything. So it's kind of like, in a way, leasing a car, if you will. You never really own the car, at least while the lease is going on, or if you rent a house or an apartment or a condo, you're, you don't really own it. I mean, sure, you, you're using it, and it's basically yours, but you don't really own it. Um, so that's so you could argue who's to say that the cloud provider is you know constantly pulling data pulling your data and you know analyzing you know what's going on on the servers you're running you know what applications you're running and all that stuff now i'm not saying that happens at all but i'm just saying you have no way of knowing because you don't have access to these servers you don't have access to the bare metal you don't have access to their software that runs in the background to be able to give you that interface to be able to spin up virtual machines or deploy containers or set up databases or anything like that. You don't have access to that, so you can't say for certain um, that they're not doing those things. It's kind of like um, in one of the earlier episodes of the Dark Assassins podcast when we talked about VPN providers and they said they don't keep logs. Well, even if that is true, that they don't keep logs, you have no way of verifying that they don't keep logs. So the only way to truly know that your stuff isn't getting messed with and tampered with and spied on and all that stuff is to run it on your own hardware. Now, the problem with running it on your own hardware is that can be pretty darn expensive. So just for the um, sake of amusement, I... uh, went on to Dell's website the other day and I was configuring a server just just for fun. I didn't even get through all the add-on options and I kid you not, I could have bought a house with the amount of money that was going into this server. <laughs> I, I kid you not, it, it was over $200,000, like probably two hundred and thirty or two hundred and fifty and according to Dell that even had some discounts on it. Now I don't know who is spending basically the amount of money to buy a house on a single server. Keep in mind this was just one server. Just one. It's not like I was buying, you know, a 42U rack full of servers or even, you know, a 15U rack full of servers. It was just a single server that cost like the price of a house. Or if you live in California, like a quarter of the price of a house. But, you know, boom, mind blown. Like, and then even still, like the base model of that server was like the price of a car or like, you know, a used car. Like, it's insane. But that's where if you're a home labber, Uh, like myself, uh, you can buy cheap stuff, (laughs) aka used gear, and you can have a data center for a lot cheaper. Now, obviously, you're not going to be running the latest and greatest. It's not necessarily going to be as power efficient. But I mean, if you're just, you know, like a one man show, or, you know, a small business or something, that's not necessarily a huge deal or a downside, per se. Like, for example, you could run a... um, for a small business, 
you could run just like a single, you know, Dell R620 um, and pretty much have the vast majority of all your needs covered. Um, you might have, if you wanted to run like a NAS or a network attached storage to house like all your company files or something, then maybe you have to get, you know, some other solution than just the, the Dell server. But I mean, even still, that's not too hard to source. Um, so you could, you know, be able to do it for sure if you just wanted to go the used route. And as we mentioned um, in a previous episode of the Dark Assassins podcast, when we were talking about home labs, you don't have to, you know, go to the moon when buying stuff, right? You don't need to go onto Dell's website like I did and max out, you know, a server that could cost you more or as much as a house, um, which personally, I think if you're spending that much money in a home lab, um, if, if, so for example, if I was given like $250,000 that I could only spend on a home lab, there's no way in heck I'm burning that all on one server. I don't care how ballin' it is. I'd rather have multiple servers, multiple racks, multiple other fancy networking and other gear for my home lab i wouldn't just want a single server that's kind of a waste in my opinion but i understand there's use cases that server had some pretty fancy gpus in there for some you know gpu compute so you know it is what it is but you know i guess some people have their use cases but for me personally i wouldn't spend that kind of money on a server but you know enterprise is a uh, interesting realm i mean if you look at intel cpus their Z online, it is the prices they charge like MSRP for some of those CPUs is just ludicrous. Like I don't know why they charge so much. I get, I mean, I get it's quote unquote enterprise, but still, that's it's it's just insane. Um, so going back to the hybrid cloud and the cloud solution, so. The, the one issue with solely on-premises solution is if you only have one site or only have a one home, la- like, you know, your, your house, you only have your data there, um, if something were to happen, you're done. You're out of luck. You're toast. Um, so that is where a solely cloud solution is nice because you don't have to worry about you know your data just being poof gone overnight um and because the infrastructure that these cloud providers have set up is robust enough where if say one server goes down your stuff's still going to be fine because it'll just be migrated over to a different server that's up and running so you don't really have to worry about um you, you know anything with your uh, applications or your processes or your data, you know, just vanishing. Like if, for example, you had a server running um, either in your small business or your house and it just died, um, you're kind of out of luck. I mean, now that's not to say that you're completely screwed because your hard drives or SSDs or whatever you're running your storage on still could, could be fine. Um, but there is potential that it could not be. Um, but also, if for say, for the unfortunate event that like your house caught on fire or you got like 
your house got flooded or, you know, some other kind of disaster happened and all your data is gone. Well, you know, you're kind of out of luck, which is where the uh, the idea of when it comes to backing up data, um, what the something it's I I forget the exact um, the exact verbiage, but it's like one is none, two is one and three is two or something like that. So basically if you have, it's this, the idea of, you know, a three, two, one backup solution where you have, you have the data on the original machine that it came or came from. And then you also have it backed up on a secondary device, whether that's a, a NAS, you know, a network attached storage device, a flash drive, an external hard drive, you know, whatever, or just another machine somewhere. And then you have your third device, which is an off-site backup, which basically means it's not where you are. <laughs> so, for example, if I wanted to back up my computer that I'm recording this podcast on, I a 3-2-1 backup solution would essentially be I have it the the data saved on my computer and then I also save it to my my NAS where I you know have all my data saved and then I would also you know say put it on a flash drive and you know keep it at you know like my parents house or a friend's house or something like that so that way if something would happen to my house and it got destroyed for whatever reason I would still have a copy of that data um, or if that data got destroyed at, you know, my friend's or family's house or wherever it was, I would still have a copy of the data. Um, so that's where a solely cloud or hybrid cloud solution does have an advantage because you can have that, you know, backup solution. Um, and then another solution to a either hybrid cloud or um, just straight up cloud solution rather than a solely on-premises solution is, for example, if you're running um, uh, services at your house, uh, you don't necessarily, it's, it's generally frowned upon and a bad idea to expose your IP address to the public. Um, so what that means like, is if you go on to your favorite search engine of choice and type in what's my IP address, that number you get, you generally don't want that to be exposed to the public because bad things can happen. <laughs> um, people can try to DDoS you or distributed denial of service attack to basically take down your internet. And it's generally not a pleasant time, um, which is w another reason why I put my search engine in the cloud. Um, so... Like if for whatever reason, because I, I attached it to a domain name. Um, so if someone ever was searching that domain name, they wouldn't be getting my house. Uh, <laughs> so that is one solution to having a cloud or hybrid cloud solution. Um, so basically, if you want services that you're only you're going you're only going to access internally, then by all means, on premises, running your own hardware awesome excellent solution but if you're trying to do something that's going to be more forward-facing like say you want to host a website or you want to host a blog or you want to host um, a search engine like me or you want to you know whatever you want to host that's going to be facing the public that's generally something that you probably don't want to do um, on premises unless you're doing some 
I'm pretty sure like Cloudflare offers some kind of solution where you can like uh, basically how my understanding how it works I don't do this personally but I have some friends that do it basically you sign up with Cloudflare and it'll basically like obfuscate your IP address so when someone tries to you know look up so say you're say you're running a web server of uh, or a, a, a website of website.com if someone tries to search website.com they just get an IP address of Cloudflare they don't get your IP address and then what Cloudflare does is they have their own you know DNS ser- services that will then forward the request when they when you want, when someone tries to go to website.com and they'll forward that to what your actual IP address is. So it keeps your IP address hidden. So if you wanted to do something like that, then by all means you can go ahead and do, um, uh, you know, something like an all on-premises uh, solution. But you have the problem of when Cloudflare goes down, <laughs> like it's done a couple of times, ha- like, you know, the majority of the internet goes down. So your website would no longer be accessible. Uh, because it's using Cloudflare's DNS to be accessed, um, which I, which actually now that I now that I say that out loud, I'm pretty sure a couple I think it was like a week or two ago, like Cloudflare went down again, and I honestly had no idea because I just use my own pie holes for my uh, DNS service, and they're recursive, so I never had that problem. <laughs> um, so what I mean by it's a recursive DNS server is if you're unfamiliar, there's this service, there might be other services, but I use this thing called Unbound, which is a recursive DNS service. And what it does is rather than me going to say Cloudflare or Google or any of the other, or my ISP or any of the other DNS service providers that can tell me where websites are located on the internet, what Pi-hole does is it goes to the root server. So basically how the internet, so this is going to be a real quick overview, but for example, the .com, .org, .gov, .net, all those with whatever the dot is has a root domain name server, um, which houses, you know, the, basically the entire tree of where these domains are located. So if you want to go get a .com site, like, you know, website.com, um, you would how the recursive DNS d- works is it goes to the root server for .com, so it goes to .com. It says, okay, where is website.com? And then the root server will return back, you know, a DNS server, and then it'll basically recursively, you know, go through each step until it gets to the website you're wanting to go to. Um, so one, I guess you could call it minor drawback to this is the first time you try to go to a website you've never been before it's not necessarily as fast because the website isn't in cache which means it's not like already been it's not hasn't already been resolved and the server can just you know send it right to you it has to actually go through all the steps of finding it but it's also more privacy oriented because you're not always going to the same company for all of your DNS requests. So I'm not always going to Google for all my DNS requests, so they don't know all the DNS requests I'm trying to send. Or I'm not always going to Cloudflare. Or I'm not always going through my ISP. And like we mentioned in a previous episode of the Dark Assassin's Podcast, 
if you're using your ISP for your DNS queries and you are uh, search surfing the high seas, you can get busted. <laughs> because your ISP is like, hmm, this guy's going to a uh, site on the high seas and a large amount of traffic is being downloaded. Hmm, wonder what they're doing. Um, but then similarly, like I mentioned with Cloudflare, if Cloudflare goes down, well... <laughs> You ain't got internet because you can't resolve any domain names. Um, so that is that is one nice thing about Pi-hole and setting it up with Unbound to have a recursive DNS. Since in addition to having some more privacy by, you know, a singular DNS source not knowing all your DNS queries, you also get the benefit of not always relying on a single source for your DNS queries. So if, you know, that source ever goes down or whatever you're not, you know, out of luck because, you know, as I mentioned, how the recursive process works. So, yeah, there are definitely benefits, pros and cons to both cloud computing and hybrid cloud. Um, personally, for me, um, I think going solely cloud is not necessarily a smart option, um, partly because there are some things that you just, you, you don't need to be in the cloud for. Um, I know a lot of people think it's the future and, you know, only cloud, it's the only way to go. But, you know, then you're putting all of your eggs into this one cloud manager's basket, right? So another problem is with if you go solely cloud is if you the cloud provider basically has for whatever for any reason that they want to could essentially kick you off their platform. And, I mean, we've seen this, this has already happened before with AWS. Um, I forget exactly the, the company. I think, I want to say it was, it was some, like, conservative or right-wing social media platform, I think. I forget if it was, I forget the name of it. it starts with a P, maybe? I don't remember. Um, it might come to me. But basically, they, they essentially got, you know removed from the internet because you know they were in in cahoots with with trump and they they thought that you know the whole january 6th thing was orchestrated on there now whether you want to agree with that or not the fact of the matter remains that they were having their hosting done on aws and aws basically said nope you're done and uh removed them from the internet um so if for whatever reason you had a company that Ada and AWS or Google Cloud Platform or Microsoft Azure or whatever your cloud um, provider is. If for whatever reason they don't like you, they can just you know remove your services and remove you from the internet. Um, so that is one major drawback um, with cloud is you do have that potential. Now, I'm not saying that's likely because I think in the grand scheme of things, it's probably pretty unlikely that that would happen to you. But that's again, that's not to say it couldn't happen to you. Um, whereas if you ran your own, um, you're in your own data centers and you ran your own servers and all that stuff, you don't have to worry about that because you own the stuff. You you can do what you want. Um, so I think personally for me, um, if I were to recommend a solution for someone, it would definitely be a hybrid cloud approach. Um, basically anything that you want to run that doesn't need access to the internet or 
any service that doesn't need to be forward facing to the internet personally i think running it on your own hardware is probably the way to go unless you really need a bunch of you know power that you can't necessarily um, afford but at the same time with how much money you might be spending on a cloud platform for the power you need you probably could have been better off just saving up a couple months worth of money and buying your own hardware <laughs> um, because for some some sites like AWS for example if you want you know some some beefy beefy power you know on there you're going to be spending a pretty penny for it um so then yeah, i guess this gets into the whole you have to do the whole you have to run the numbers and do a cost benefit analysis of what is the cost to run in the cloud versus running it on premises and is that trade off of cost worth it do i buy once cry once on a server that'll last me for years and years and years and only have to pay the electricity bill to run all my services or do i go the easy route and go with a cloud solution that i'm paying every month that will eventually add up to be more than just buying a server and biting the bullet so it's something you have to consider i'm not telling you what you should do but personally i think if you want the i think the hybrid cloud is definitely the best of both worlds since you get some of the the luxuries of the cloud where you can just spin up and spin down vms at will um you can kind of pay as you go you don't have to worry i mean some of the, some cloud providers even have ddos protection built into them um which running your own servers doesn't have unless you have some fancy infrastructure and load balancing and all that stuff um, so there are definitely, definitely benefits to the cloud. Um, and there, there's definitely use cases for it. Um, but I'm also a big proponent of liking to own my stuff and owning the hardware that it runs on. Um, so in that sense, I'm kind of biased towards having your own, your own, um, hardware that you run your services on. Plus I'm a home labber, right? So... <laughs> I, I do this for fun in my free time, you know, intentionally buying servers and um, installing things on them and running services and all that stuff, fun stuff. Um, but also like the the just the act of, you know, owning the owning the hardware and being able to tinker with it at will and being able to upgrade it at will too and expand as you need um, rather than just, you know, clicking a couple buttons and spending an extra thirty dollars a month or whatever to you know get the stuff you want that where's the fun in that right where's the fun in going on a console on the internet and clicking a couple buttons to add an extra i don't know 64 gigs of ram and an extra eight processing cores and an extra two terabytes of storage right you know what and and paying an extra an extra arm rather than rather than just a leg you pay an arm and a leg you know where's the fun in that i mean in my opinion i think it's a lot more fun to you know have the server being able to like you know shut it down pull it out of the rack or take the you know open up the case or you know however you have your server whether it's a desktop a laptop an old enterprise server you know whatever 
and you know being able to t touch the hardware and install you know new hardware add in the graphics card swap out the cpu put in new ram modules you know whatever the case is and it, it just gives you more experience you know with the technology which i think is really 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 crucial and really important and really fun um but the other uh, speaking of you know server hardware um i was you know, I was I was visiting family for the Fourth of July, which, by the way, happy birthday to America, um, best country in the world. Don't at me, but um, I I I you know, it, so I have some old Dell Enterprise servers, right? And they have what's they have this feature called iDRAC, which is basically their uh, lights out remote management. Um, so basically what it allows me to do is if a computer is, if the server is turned on or off or whatever, even if it's off, which is the really cool thing, I can access this console and turn the server on, even if I'm not home. So I was, you know, away from my house with my family and I literally could be across the world or, you know, visiting family out away from my house, wherever. And because I have my VPN set up. I can tunnel through into my internal network and turn that server on or off at will, which is really nice because it's the one in question was actually my NAS, which didn't actually have the iDRAC port, which I uh, later installed, which is really cool. Like I mentioned, when you have that on-premise stuff, you can you know touch the hardware, install new things. You don't get that on a cloud in the cloud which I guess you don't really need it in the cloud since you can just spin up and spin down VMs at will through the console. But again, where's the fun in that? Um, so with the NAS that I mentioned, if, for example, usually I have it shut down since it's a little, it's a Dell R510. Um, it's a tad on the noisy side, and it also draws a decent amount of power since it's pretty old and the CPUs aren't that power efficient. But anyway, um, literally I could be, you know, vacationing and you know i don't know germany or wherever you know somewhere across the world um and say i'm on my computer and man i really want to watch some movies for my home for my home library i want to i want to bring up my plex server well my plex server run streams movies from my nas but shoot my nas isn't turned on and i forgot to turn it on before i left darn well guess what I can just log into that iDRAC console, boot up the server, and then within a couple minutes, I got Plex, which is fantastic. Um, so, which like going back to um, uh, what you should have in your home lab, if you can, you know, splurge an extra some extra dollars to buy like a old enterprise server that has like an like some kind of remote lights out management console. It is so nice. I mean, granted, I don't use it all that often, but it is so nice. Like, you get to see all kinds of stats for, for the server and all that stuff, which, again, if you're running in the cloud, you don't get that luxury. Just saying. Um, but, yeah, you know, cloud, hybrid cloud, whatever your solution is, you got to weigh the pros and cons, figure out what's best for you. Uh, personally, I don't think a sole cloud computing way is the way to go. I think the best solution is to have a mix between on-premises and cloud since you get the best of both worlds. 
um, and you get all the benefits of running your own hardware, but also the benefits of you know some of the stuff that the cloud providers have um, and all that good stuff. So you know if you, you let me know what you guys think. Uh, do you have a do you run anything in the cloud? Um, do you have a hybrid cloud approach? Do you only run stuff in your house? You know, let me know. Shoot me an email at contact at darkassassinsinc.com. Link in the show notes below. Um, also, I'll put in the show notes below a, um, a link to that uh, search engine uh, that I was messing with if you want to, you know, take a look at it or install it um, in your home environment, in the cloud, um, you know, just wherever you want. Um, And if you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please leave a rating and review and subscribe to the Dark Assassins podcast if you haven't done so already on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, And be sure to share with a friend or family member who you think uh, would like learning more about the cloud and hybrid cloud um, and learning about my experiences uh, that I mentioned earlier uh, when to throw my computer out the window, which I couldn't do because it was in the cloud. Um, oh, which I guess is another another uh, downside of the cloud. Uh, you can't throw the computer out the window. Yeah, if if you own the hardware and you're running on premises, you can chuck that computer out the window and it's bye bye and it's gone and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Can't do that in the cloud, can you? No. I mean, sure you could you know shut it down, but you know where's the fun in that? You don't get the satisfaction of throwing that computer out the window or threatening to throw that computer out the window. There's just something to it, you know? But anyway, uh, if you have any questions, uh, you know, shoot me an email at contact at darkassassinsinc.com. And if you have a question that you want answered on a future episode of the Dark Assassins podcast, again, you can shoot me an email at contact at darkassassinsinc.com. Link is down in the show notes below. And that's going to do it for me in this episode of the Dark Assassins Podcast. Until next time, my fellow assassins, remember, bull nothing equals true. If action not equal to null, return true. I'll see you next time on the Dark Assassins Podcast.